Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Curzon Film Podcast. I'm Sam Howlett and this week we'll be discussing Kelly Reichardt's anthology drama Certain Women. This week I'm joined by Harry Chapman. Hello. Hello Harry, how are you doing? I'm very well, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Good, good. So Certain Women is, a, as I said, an anthology piece. It tells three separate stories which are slightly linked about four different women. Uh, one of those women is played by Kristen Stewart, uh, and Kristen Stewart has had a very interesting career in the past few years. Uh, so, in the vein of Kristen Stewart's change from this kind of maybe <clears throat> mainstream, popular teen icon actress, she, she did Twilight. So. She did Twilight. <laughs> is that what, you, is that that's what, what I'm getting yeah, at? Yeah, yeah, she did Twilight. She did Twilight, and that's what she was essentially famous for. Yeah, and she was kind of. Unfairly yeah, treated, um, yeah, by unfairly the lambasted for yeah, that role, and kind of seen as just sort of soppy teen in those kind of roles. Yeah, uh, but recently she's done <clears throat> incredible things like certain women, like the Clouds of Sils Maria, and uh, like Personal Shopper, which we'll be talking about in a few weeks' time. So she's become this kind of indie actress, I guess. And these aren't these aren't necessarily just films that are quote unquote good. These are films that are very small as well. Yeah. And aren't seen by the widest possible audience that you think an actress like Kristen Stewart <coughs> would in general want to get. Well, she, she's been able to sort of reinvent herself. I guess Twilight has given her that platform yeah. to reinvent herself because she is, she is now a name that everyone knows. Yeah. Um, and that, that happens with a lot of sort of younger actors and actresses. Yeah. Um, that they're able to actually, they're giving themselves a platform. If you now look at like, you know what Daniel Radcliffe is doing for instance. absolutely yeah that's another he's now good doing, example. he's doing a lot of horror and he's doing a lot of independent films and yeah Swiss Army Man was a really interesting different project yeah. that we didn't see him didn't necessarily see him doing sure. so I think it's, it's quite a, it's quite a common thing and it's a really great thing to see because it means you get these sort of big like superstar actors in in these sort of small independent films yeah and even and so even Robert Pattinson yeah he's had chosen fairly interesting roles like yeah. he chose to do Cosmopolis and The Rover and Bellamy instead yeah, yeah. of doing like a big budget superhero film or something similar to Twilight like another young adult thing uh, which is risky for an actor yeah. but I think you're right that they've they've achieved fame already and they're now using that fame to explore more interesting and different roles Yeah. so 
this is going to be linked in with the pitch for the week. So, Harry, I'd like you to pitch to me an actor or actress who you think needs to kind of turn their career around in the same way that Kristen Stewart has done and pitch for me the film in which they would do it. So I, I was going to go for the answer I almost always go for initially. Yes. Vince Vaughn. Vincey. But I talk about him every... Day. Every day, and <laughs> um, I, I feel like he, I feel like Hatchel Ridge might have might have turned that around for him. Yeah, so he might have True Detective season two tried to do that as well. He, bit, he was the best thing he in was it. Pretty good in that. Yeah, that is not a compliment to the rest I of know. the project. Um, but I'm going to leave him alone, apart from a sly dig at True Detective season two. Yeah. I'm going to leave him alone, and I'm going to kind of contract someone I actually really like, but I want to see what they can do. Okay. And that person is Chris Pratt. So I really like Chris Pratt. Yep. Love Parks and Rec. I think Guardians is great and a real surprise. I mean, I think, I think everyone thought that was sort of going to fail and be sort of a bit of a... Yeah. Bit of a, like, you know, bit of a failure. And I think he's the reason that it isn't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he's got this huge charisma, um, you know, but he's done big blockbusters. You know, Passengers was this big yeah. sci-fi blockbuster. Him, yeah. Jennifer Lawrence... There wasn't necessarily that much depth to Jurassic it. Jurassic World. Jurassic World, Pretty yeah. plays the same character. Exactly. So he's playing the same character. Magnificent Seven. Yeah. Although I really, he, I really enjoyed Magnificent Seven. Yeah, so did I. But he's again playing the sort yeah. of cocky, know-it-all sort of... Slightly he's always comedic. Gonna, yeah, he's yeah. always going to find a way to win in some way. But yeah. It'll be quite funny on the way. So I want him to change how yeah. he's going to do that. And I think he needs. To, there's one thing that he can do that's going to change all that and he can change his voice and he can do an accent and it's an accent we've seen him do and you can look this up on YouTube I think it was on the Graham Norton show an Essex accent Chris Pratt playing someone in Essex you're sat back going who could he play in Essex what sort of rock star could he play in Essex not a rock shot not a rock star ladies and gentlemen a simple milkman Oh, that sounds a bit dull, Harry. Does it? Does it sound dull? What's that? Is that a couple arguing as he goes past on his milk float? <laughs> oh, suddenly the wife disappears. He hasn't seen her for a while. Then suddenly he's collecting the empty milk bottles. And one of them's half full of milk. That's unusual. They normally finish all their milk in number 27. What's that in the milk? <laughs> is that is that a drop of blood? Blood in the milk. The Essex milkman story. He goes against the police to find out what happened to the wife. Maybe it's not necessarily the husband. Maybe there's a few suspects. I want the good I want the great and good of British acting and Chris Pratt as an Essex milkman slash solving murders. Cool. Okay. And he, yeah, he does the accent throughout. Um, there's a bit of a love interest with someone like Sally Hawkins. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I think, I think I've nailed this, and I'm just going to go home. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of anything to top that. I can't think of anything wrong with it. <laughs> so it'd be a reinvention of Chris Pratt's career. Hugely. It's sort of smaller British murder mystery. Yeah. Right. Okay. Interesting. I like it. Yeah, and there's sort of a gritty realism to it. It's mm -hmm. real sort of dirt under the fingernail stuff. 
Well, blood in the milk. Blood in the milk. <laughs> it's blood in the milk kind of stuff. <laughs> Do you think that's going to become a new sort of popular metaphor? Well, blood in the milk. Well, I mean, there's blood in the milk in this town. <laughs> also, when is it set? <laughs> that there's still a, a milkman that everyone uses. That's the thing. That's the thing. They still use the milkman, but they don't need to. Right. Because he's that popular. But he's sort of grisly. He's got a neck beard. He's got oh, a David okay. Tennant neck beard. That's impressive neck beard, isn't it? Oh, yeah. David Tennant's neck beard. See, like most, I think a lot of men sort of shave just the neck beard. Yeah, I, got rid of, I get rid of my neck beard. I don't think he can. There seems to be too much of it. There's too. I reckon it grows like, it's like straight a three-man away. job, isn't it? I reckon it? it's like um, it's like Tim Allen in Santa Claus when he tries to <laughs> shave and it grows back straight away. <laughs> David Tennant's got that sort of thing. So yeah, Chris Pratt will have Chris Pratt will have to learn how David Tennant grows his neck beard. Well, maybe like David Tennant could be like neck beard wrangler on set. Or something. Oh, it could be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Consultant <laughs> just for brackets neck beard. Yeah, don't don't get him in to play anyone <laughs> no. in, this, in this British Essex milkman murder <laughs> mystery. <laughs> Right, so <laughs> moving on. Uh, I, I thought about this quite a lot, and I thought that. Um, so I thought of a few people. Someone that crossed my mind was Brendan Fraser. Oh, yeah. Remember Brendan Fraser? I love The Mummy. I know, I love The Mummy. The Mummy 2 is pretty entertaining. The Mummy 3 is really bad. And then you have things like George of the Jungle, which again is quite entertaining, but I, lo- I like George of the Jungle. Yeah, he's in a he's in a Looney Tunes film, isn't he? He is Looney Tunes back in action, I believe he yeah. was in. Uh, he was in, but then he started to be in <coughs> more and more bad kids' films, like. Um, I think they pay the bills, don't they, mate? He's like, well, exactly. That's what his career's gone to, paying bills, and now he's just nowhere really. So I think he needs to come well, back. Matt, look, look at who's replacing him, Tom Cruise. Yeah, I know, yeah. It's sad, isn't it? Nice. But I'm going to go for someone who hasn't quite completely faded away, but she is just not doing too well, I think, in her career and in the public, which is a shame because I think she's a good actress, and that's Catherine Heigl. Uh, Catherine Heigl became famous for being in Grey's Anatomy in the earlier seasons and in Knocked Up, both of which she's very good in. Why doesn't she do more Knocked Up stuff? I know. Well... She 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 kind of she's you know she could have been like the new Meg Ryan this kind of like re- really great comedic actress yeah. um, but she said some things about her character in Knocked Up yeah she wasn't very well uh, she it wasn't, wasn't reported as her being very nice yeah. we, we don't know what's true. there are two yeah there there are two sides to pretty story. Uh, it seems like she was not very gracious yes. to her director yeah. and writer and that kind of almost and that uh, that's Judd, that'd be Judd Apatow who's kind of the king of comedy yeah. Um, maybe not so much anymore, but definitely at the time was. Yeah, yeah. Definitely had a big thumb over the com- comedy in Hollywood, and that kind of gave her a bad name. And then didn't she have some sort of um, walk away from Grey's Anatomy sort of unceremoniously? Yeah, yeah. There was quite a lot around that, and yeah. she sort of. It was basically she thought she was going to be the next, right? The next sort of big thing, and thought like storyline should revolve around her more and. Which you can't really do in a sort of piece where no. there's like ten other actors exactly, who yeah. are all all trying to get screen time, and your name is not is not Grey, which yeah. is you know <laughs> the, the point of the show. Um, but yeah, so my uh, the, the pitch I have for Catherine Heigl would be uh, make it kind of meta. Okay. So she plays an actress who has said some things she hasn't said and was once popular but is now not popular. Okay. And uh, she tries to write a film about herself trying to save her career 
Right. So you have about 15 different levels going on. I'm just I'm just going through the levels. So she's, yeah, there is a 15. She's writing 15. a play. Yeah. She's writing a film in which she's an actress in it, and then in that film, this actress is writing a film in which she's an actress in it, which in that, in that, in that. Oh, goodness me. So make it, not only make it a comeback, make it a commentary about the comeback. Yeah. Kind of, in a kind mm. of, um, not not exactly like this, but similar to Birdman. Okay, yeah, yeah. So Michael Keaton plays an actor who used to be in superhero films but hasn't really done much for a while and is trying to save his career. So it's going to be a one shot? I mean, it can be a one shot. shot. That's for the director. I'm just the pitch. I'm just the producer. I'm just pitching this. You're just the money man. I'm just the money man. I've got the money. I've got the film. I've got the idea. I just need someone to do whatever they want with it. I think it should be really good in something like that. Yeah. Would you have it flicking between the two? Would you have it flicking between the sort of the the real life in terms of the first one? The first sort of version we see of her writing. And then would it flick to the actual... I think it could flick to the actual film. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it would make her come off... two characters. She'd come off very, very intelligent and very self-aware, which I think she probably needs. Um, I think it would, yeah, put her back in good graces with some people. I think if it it gets good reviews, that'd be great. Even a nice sort of Oscar nomination would do her well. Yeah, I I like Catherine Heigl. I feel like like the media has this sort of narrative around her, and she's not been able to shake that. No, and I feel like everyone sort of absorbs that, and suddenly has this thing where we're like, "Yeah, we don't really like Catherine Heigl." Yeah, in the same way that Ka- Kristen Stewart had yes. but managed to turn around with her career yeah, choices. Good point. Good point. So I think uh, I have to award that to uh, the Blood and the Milk, not just because it's an amazing film, but because the title is now going to be something that I think we'll be saying a lot. Yeah. In public, like, this, this podcast is not going to be a Blood and the Milk production. <laughs> <laughs> So, let's go over to the main show now. So, Kelly Reichardt uh, has made a name for herself as one of the most interesting independent female directors uh, working in America at the moment. Uh, she's famous for films such as Old Joy, Wendy and Lucy, Meek's Cut-Off. Uh, all those three are kind of very sort of slow, under-dramatic uh, pieces of work, usually sort of set in the south of America. And then she made Night Moves in 2013, which stars Jesse Eisenberg, Dakota Fanning, and Peter Sarsgaard. Good cast. And that's a more of a genre film, more of a thriller. And I think what a lot of people think of with these directors is that they kind of they work they work their way up eventually to make something really big and really huge and really momentous. And I think a lot of people may have thought, including me, that Night Moves is kind of a stepping stone for Kelly Reichardt to now move to do something really huge. And then she made, she follows that up with Certain Women, which we're talking about today, which is, I think, incredibly sort of uh, modest and small. Yeah. Uh, so let's just talk about the uh, sort of loose plot of the film. Uh, so we have three different stories. One stars Laura Dern as a lawyer called Laura. Yeah, it's easy to remember. Laura yeah. is Laura. <laughs> uh, the second one stars Michelle Williams as... A character called Gina, who is married to James Lagos, is Ryan. Okay, and they're looking to build a house together. Yep. And then the third story stars relative unknown actress Lily Gladstone. Yeah, who plays a character called Jamie, and she right. absolutely steals the film. She does, But we'll yeah. talk about that a bit more later. Uh, and her relationship with uh, lawyer... Um, who's having to do like insane amount of work yeah. to get by, uh, who's played by Kristen Stewart, and her name is Beth. Excellent. So, 
First of all, <laughs> I want to talk about the fact that it's an anthology film. Yeah. Because with the when I hear a film is an anthology film, I get slightly uh, apprehensive about it. I just think often with these things, and this is the um, this 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 is what I had with with certain. Uh, films which are sort of chapterized and episodic that you always end up preferring one, one to the others and yeah. it doesn't feel like a fully complete film. Do you, do you think it's right that you can compare each section or do you think you should take it as a whole? I'm not sure. that That's another thing. Yeah. Is that Am I supposed to be watching this like, like, you're right, like three separate films or is this supposed to be one film which sort of loops in and out of each other? I mean... Cause so I, I would say that you have to take it as a whole Absolutely, piece. yeah. The, rest, not, the reason it's not a TV yeah. show. Yeah, 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 exactly. So it's put into one thing. It's, it's one work. Know, it's one piece of work. It's, you know, however long the film is, 120 minutes or whatever it is, one thing. And therefore, I think with this, that it's an anthology film to get the spirit of where you are mm. and to understand women's role within within yes. sort of this society and how these how these women are sort of trying to turn turn the tide on that um and i think i think the whole the whole feel of this film is they're in a certain place in in sort of mid america and there's this certain like there's not a lot of there's not a lot of wealth within this place yeah. um but e- equally it's it's not us it's not a looking at sort of poverty and 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 not and not having things because actually it, pretty much everyone in the film is well off enough that they they can survive. Like I know uh, Christian Stewart's character is having to do a lot of work to get by, yeah. but that's also a sort of ambitious thing as well. So, um, and I feel like the whole the whole film is arcing to show you what it's like to be a woman, uh, to be a woman at this time mm. in this place, and how you get by and how you get what you want, and it's all about driving these women's narratives to get to their goals and 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 for each character i'll just quickly go through yep. what their sort of goals are or what to me they seem to be their goal so um laura laura wells the, the lawyer played by laura dern is is really trying to to sort of to to show herself to be a successful lawyer and show how good she can be mm. In a very much a man's world, and that's shown straight away. And this isn't a spoiler. Shows straight away when she takes a client to another male lawyer. The male lawyer says, "Yeah, says, oh yeah, you you can't take this case forward anymore." And he just and the the client uh, plays by played by Jared Harris, who's fantastic in this, um, just accepts it. Yeah, and you, and you just see her face being like, "I've been working on this for months." I know. Yeah, telling the customer, yeah. and you just feel this like. Of course, he just accepts what the man says, and that and that's terrible. But she she persists with this client, and she and and she keeps going with it, and she keeps she keeps fighting the good fight and trying yeah. to do the right thing and trying to stand up in a world that's that's trying to get against her. And it's not and it's not a big dramatic thing. No, it's a really small fight, and it's her own fight, and that's why it's so important. And that's why it's being shown. Um, in terms of with uh, Michelle Williams' characters, Gina, yeah, she she's sort of got two things going on. So she's trying to build a dream house, and there's not, and as I said, it's not a huge budget thing. It's not like she's a, it's not like she's a millionaire trying to build yeah. a house. It's like she's trying to build a house, but also build out sort of natural materials that come from that are locally sourced. Uh, and really, her her sort of drive is to build this house, but also, also 
she's sort of fighting for a marriage sort of in the background a little bit and just trying to just trying to get her husband to fight for her a bit more yeah. and that's not in a way that's like taking away from her agency it's in a way that they're a real couple and she just she just wants their marriage to still be still be a thing got a young daughter and wants to build this house to build a better I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me In a given month over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's a life for them. Yeah. Uh, and in terms of uh, with with uh, Christian Stewart's character, her. Uh, her her sort of drive is is to is to be this lawyer and to survive and have enough money and be able to do the things she's learned to do and therefore she's doing a job that she doesn't actually know so she's driving four hours is it i believe so yeah, yeah she's driving four hours to get to this job to teach to teach uh this certain sort of education law that she doesn't really understand and and so they are each character each female character is holding on to this one thing that they want to achieve and it's pushing that and that's why this is an anthology movie because they each are linked by the, they're loosely linked in other ways yeah which which, some which vague plot yeah there's some yeah that, that show they're sort of in the same area and in the same place and in the same time but actually it shows they're in the same time by what they're driving to get to and that and that is that that is the sort of the, what pushes the movie along throughout. Absolutely. I think this is really a um, a celebration of modest ambitions, mm. like real ambitions. Yeah. The ambitions that you and I would have or mm. anyone in the world would want to be good at their career, would want to um, get respect in their relationship, yeah. you know, this and that. And I think that's the real achievement of this film yeah. is to show how uh, ambition doesn't have to be winning the world cup or making a million dollars or do a winning doing anything huge doing yeah. anything momentous ambition can be as simple as what these women do in this film yeah and i think Reichardt's really really got that down to a t um right so should we um sort of go further into each storyline yeah, yeah. okay so the first one which is with laura dern um i i mean laura dern has been in hollywood for years yeah and it's amazing that she's doing these really interesting roles now and yeah, for a, a, a slightly older actress as well now mm. i mean i've I've so from uh trajecto career sort of from blue velvet jurassic park uh more sort of interesting david lynch stuff as well in the middle and then here she is just really doing a really amazing job yeah well i think role. i think the last thing people probably saw her in is the wild if you if you remember yes, that she, she was, was a mum wasn't she yeah she wild. was i think yes. she was oscar nominated for that yeah i think she might have been so um so that's probably the last thing people sort of yeah. really remember her for 
Um, and it's really good to see her have this be an be a rounded character. Like she is considering she's only in it for ultimately twenty five minutes. Yeah, I suppose, she's not in it for like very that. long. Yeah. But she's definitely a like she's got a career. She's also like a sexual being as well, yes. which I think is really important. Really especially important. for sort of a, as as we said, slightly older actresses. Yeah. And we don't mean that in a patronizing way. Not we mean that in a Hollywood typically doesn't give yes. sort of, doesn't give sexual Desire, desire to older a women over uh, over yeah. thirty. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So, uh, so that that's really great to see. Yeah, and her, I think her this story is the most sort of plot orientated, maybe yeah. ultimately. Yeah, which comes which comes as a surprise. There's a, um, I don't think we'll say exactly what it is. Yeah, but there is something that happens with uh, with with Jared Harris's character, which you I, I didn't see coming at all. No. And it's it's it. At first, I thought this feels like something from a different film. It feels too uh, genre-y, too thrillery. Yeah. But Reichardt's got such a delicate hand at directing that it just feels very natural. And the way that Laura Dunn reacts to it is so matter of fact, mm. and the way everyone reacts to it, I think. Well, I think I think it it's it's almost doing the opposite of what the rest of the film does. Yeah. And it's and it's 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 taking an extraordinary event. And making it fairly ordinary. Yes. And 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 we don't want to spoil what happens because I feel like you need to watch it and and sort of soak that scene yeah. in because yeah. it's a real like initially it's a real like sort of messes with your mind a bit. But yeah, it's taking something that that is a huge event and making yeah. it quite a small event. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and so we have um the connection here then between this story and then the second story. We find out that Laura Dern is uh, sleeping with a man, played by James LeGrosse, yep. who then we eventually realise is married to Michelle Williams' character, yep. uh, which is quite, again, a really sort of offhand revelation. It's not... I mean, it does... It changes the way you think about that second story. Yes. Yeah, and, that, and that's, what, that's what fits within this sort of having it as one film. Yeah. Because it just slightly shapes what you think. Yeah. And it, and I think it does also affect... You kind of think, oh, Michelle Williams is going to be this sort of sympathy character and it's going to be all about their relationship and yeah. and her and, and, and it, maybe the affair's going to come out and that's going to be the story. And then, and then it's a story about... Instead, it's a story about a married couple that are, are trying to build their own home. Yeah, absolutely. And we mentioned earlier there's this kind of... Um when Laura Dern's character takes Jared Harris to see the male lawyer, she has this kind of, uh, sort of wry amusement in her face mm. at the fact that he's now listening to a man. Yeah. Uh, I think there's uh, some of that in the second story as well, that her the um, the elderly man who they're buying the um, the stones from yeah. to build the house, he kind of generally only talks to the husband, and I think there's some slight frustration in Gina that he won't yeah. really talk to her as much and listen to her, and then. She's got her own frustrations as well. That her husband, that we know, is having an affair, is not really listening to her either, and she's having problems with the teenage daughter. Yeah, it's, it's, it's real life problems. Yeah, it's, you exactly. Know, it's wanting something for your house and knowing there's one person that will give it to you. Yeah, but that only that that person will only talk to your husband. Yeah, that that must be a constant frustration. Definitely. And Michelle Williams is is a sort of favourite of Reichardt's. She's been in a few of her films yeah. before. Um, and Michelle Williams again is just 
when we talk about sort of actors ch- turning their career around earlier, I think that Michelle Williams came from Dawson's Creek and I think straight away made really good choices with her roles. I've now just got the Dawson's Creek soundtrack <laughs> in my head. I'm not going to say oh, it. Oh, okay. I'm not going to say it. I was about to. I nearly sung it. I'm not going to. Well, you don't know what it feels like to be over. Oh. No. Uh yeah, I think she went. She straight away went into these really smart roles, and I think she's now sort of synonymous with great filmmaking. Michelle Williams and yeah. great act, and uh, great performances. And well, I think she she was, she was you know Manchester by the Sea was yeah. was she she's she's hardly in that film and she and yet she steals every scene yeah, she's in totally um, Oscar nominated as well. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly, and it's it, it's sort of you know we go slightly back to the the pitch idea, but it's something that someone like Catherine Heigl sort of needs to do now. Yeah. Michelle Williams should be sort of what people look to do in terms of turning your career from this sort of, if you want to, yeah. turning it from That's, a sort yeah. of pop, a popular culture into sort of more independent, sort of, I guess, more sure. arty uh, indie films. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and uh, that one for the third story, which I think might be my favourite. Not that we're going to separate it. I know you said we didn't want to split it up, but I just I got the most yeah. out of this one, yeah, I think. That's, that's okay. And I think, I think that's a really important thing. I think that's what having a film in three sections gives you the ability to do. You're able to focus in on one section and sort of, at points, you are able to focus in on one section and say, actually, I got the most out of this. Why yeah. did I get the most out of it? Yeah. And I think that that's the really sort of interesting thing because I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, if you're if you're a married couple, you might potentially watch this film and get more out of the, the Michelle Williams one, yeah. character. Or if you know if if you're a woman, or if if you're a man or a woman, but if you're a woman in a high powered job and you're trying to yeah. and you're trying to get you know get somewhere, or you have ambitions that are being stopped because of your gender or race right. or anything like that, yeah. you might get more out of the sort of Laura Dern story. So I think that that's that's what an anthology movie or a movie in sort of parts it gives you the ability to do you're able to sort of focus in on what what you get out of each section the most and that that ultimately i think leads to why you might have favorite favorite sections Definitely. yeah so in this section i think we have for me the revelation of the film which is lily gladstone as a very lonely uh sort of ranch hand and she starts to go to sort of these adult classes just for company really well, even there, she sits. She sits right at the back of the class yeah. and doesn't talk to anyone there at all. Yeah, and I think she she uh, she takes a liking to Kristen Stewart, and they become not quite friends, but they sort of start hanging out. And yeah. because she knows that she's got a four-hour drive back every night, so they go for is it, uh, burgers. They often get. Yeah, they just sort of go to a diner yeah. and get some food. She doesn't actually often eat. It's what no. Kristen Stewart often eating, and they're yeah. just chatting. You say they're chatting, but it's it's very much... A, it seems more like a one-sided chat. I think that Lily Gladstone seems... It seemed, it felt For me, it felt like she barely had any lines. And maybe she didn't, I don't know. It just felt like she was often really quite quiet and more pensive. Yeah, that's true. It it It's sort... I think it's a real sort of acting masterclass in, yeah. the, in the understated. Sure. She said she, she, she does have some lines, obviously, but yeah. in terms of... It's what she doesn't say, and it's yeah. that... It's that isolated character that suddenly, one on one, we're in conversation with, uh, with someone that 
she's able to really show all her vulnerabilities and everywhere and that isolation is just all over her yes you just see this sort of person that clearly doesn't have contact with people very often and we see these 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 scenes where it it just feels cold when you watch them these scenes where she's she's doing sort of manual labor yeah. and is and is having to and is having to clear up things and it and it's a real it's really nice to see see that sort of role be given to a young actress yeah because we, we often you'd expect it to be sort of the lonely man in the yeah. farm and something's gone wrong and there's been a big dramatic event and that and it, and it's great to see to see this character and to see Lily Gladstone who's fantastic in it yeah and so she like on the one hand she does portray this kind of, sort of lifelong solitariness to her and this real yearning yep I think that I mean they could have gone down the route of this being almost a stalker because yeah that is yeah. a slight well they they never the yeah. nice thing is there's never a true definition of what their relationship yeah. is or what either one of them think their relationship sure. is uh, particularly from Lily Gladstone's character uh, where she she drives so Kristen yeah. Stewart stops working at the school where she's taking these night classes uh, and Lily Gladstone drives and goes find uh, goes to find her and you could have that as you said you could have that as a stalker narrative yeah. and have that as a sort of hunting down someone you've only met two or three times but instead it it's this really sort of soft trying to find connect you've made a connection with someone and trying to keep that connection and how do you keep that when the the person you've made the connection with has abandoned you yeah absolutely um and it and it and it really doesn't it's not afraid to not give you what you want as an audience and there's you you just sit there wanting it to be this sort of happy ending and you just know it's never going to be yeah and the connection between the second and third story is i think it's laura dern's character isn't it that yeah she... yeah she goes in basically uh the character of jamie goes into a law office to find out where christian stewart works yeah um and then you just see laura dern sort of go past and up the stairs so it's a really sort of loose loose link that one yeah um but as, as i said it's to do with the landscape of it sure. rather than the actual connections between the individual characters absolutely and speaking of the landscape, this is filmed really beautifully in uh, in Montana, and you have this. I mean, it's sort of there's a lot of space on the screen, like um, in the second story when they're kind of camping outside in the open, and when Jamie's working on her horse ranch, there's a lot of space. But then every now and then you kind of see the Rocky Mountains in the background. I think it's the Rocky Mountains. In yeah, I think I think uh, some sort of mountain range in the background, which kind of gives you the sense that although there's a lot of space with these characters, they are kind of blocked in. They are kind of, yeah, fenced into this life they have for themselves. Yeah, they're not. But they're making use of the space within it. Yeah, in use of the prep, making use of what they have, uh, which I think is a really nice. Um, there's a nice duality there between yeah. the setting and the performances and the characters. Yeah, and the, the lighting is beautiful throughout yeah. the film, particularly the night scenes in particular. Yeah. I love um, the, in the in the first story the sort of uh, between. Uh, between the character of Laura and Fuller, Jaron Harris's character, there's lovely shooting in the darkness. And um, and when Jamie's driving, I think that's shot beautifully in the night. There's just sort of a slight light on her from streetlights, and I'm always yeah. I'm always really impressed how they how they get that lighting so correct when when clearly you have to show show yeah. enough of the person on screen 
but also make it look like they're actually driving and not just yeah. driving in darkness. So definitely, um, yeah, it's, it's beautiful. beautiful. Uh, so quickly before we wrap up, I was going to ask you: Do you think this is a feminist film? Um, I, th- I think it is because yeah, feminism is, is as far as I understand it, and I understand I, I'm a man talking yeah. about feminism, um, but is is about equality and it's about yeah. men and men, women. Or however, however you you define yeah. yourself, being equal and everyone being equal. And this film does this because the women in the film are driving to get to certain places and are driving to 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 achieve things. And equally, this film could have been, you know, could have been three men doing it. And that's why it's a feminist film because it's been chosen that there are there are women driving to to do what they want to do and are achieving what they do, want to yeah. do and this is crucial achieving what they want to do and are in control of that and so by having the control having the agency and being able to achieve what they want to do it, I think it has to be a, a sort of feminist uh, feminist film yeah I agree I think that you know these women they, they don't hate men they, they it's just that men simply are one part of their lives their very rich lives and I think especially in the first two stories both those uh, Laura Dern and Michelle Williams they kind of have this sort of slight detachment which isn't quite it's not they're not cold but I think it's sort of like you say sort of self-awareness self-possession yeah like they absolutely have complete agency uh, I think there's kind of a um, misconception that if a film has a female director it's instantly feminist which I don't think is the case yeah no I'd agree with that but I think definitely this film I think we can consider it a feminist piece yeah of I, I definitely would I definitely would and uh, just sort of wanted to say how we're now finished with Oscar season. The Oscars are now over, and it's really nice to have this come after that because yeah. those films, as amazing as they were, were very, very ambitious, very big with these big performances, really dramatic. And yeah. um, it's nice to have something that's really relaxed, really, really quite sort of mellow. Yeah, um, you can ease into it. It's not. Yeah, you know, it's not something going to chuck a big sort of revelation at you. No, um, and that and that's why that's why we can openly talk about you know, sort of Laura Dern's character having an affair because that's not a spoiler. That no, is it's just matter that of is fact. just a, yeah. a fact that happens in it's the part film. Of her character. It's part yeah. of the character and it's part of the narrative and that and that's sort of nice that you can you can watch this and sort of it almost yeah you know, we talked about it with Moonlight yeah and it sort of does a slightly similar thing to it but it sort of washes over you. And you sort of, yeah, and you sort of you you just sort of breathe it in rather than rather than it it sort of attacks you on yeah. screen and, and you're trying to catch up with it. It just yeah. it just has this beautiful slow pace throughout the whole thing. It's, the film's like a warm bath. Yeah. It's like, into it. It is like a warm bath. Yeah. Oh, it's over. You just get out, and it's uh, it's still let's think about. Okay. <laughs> it's it's definitely not like Blood in the Milk. The film. Nothing's like blood in the milk. <laughs> okay, so uh, do check out Certain Women. Uh, it's released as of today. Uh, and we want to thank CSR once again for letting us use their studio. And uh, I mentioned earlier uh, some of Kelly Reichardt's earlier films, uh, and they are all on Curls on Home Cinema at the moment. So that's Old Joy, Wendy and Lucy, Meek's Cutoff, and Night Moves. Do check those out. I mean, Wendy and Lucy in particular, I think, is a really great film. And it won the Palm Dog at Cannes oh, nice. which is the award for the best dog I didn't know that was a thing yeah. <laughs> did the artist win that that did it yeah. did yeah okay and uh, Patterson uh, also won it oh definitely the palm dog yeah anyway, 
Um, I'd like to recommend uh, Bend It Like Beckham. Um, it's still really charming after all this time. Uh, and uh, Gurinder uh, Chadha is uh, is a fantastic director. Uh, and also uh, out today is Viceroy's House, uh, which is her new film about sort of the last Viceroy of, uh, of India. So do check that out. Excellent. So uh, that is goodbye from Harry Chapman. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. Thank you very much for listening and downloading, and we will see you next week. Blood in the milk. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.